Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 391. Points, he said, suspecting this information is already well known to you, and you are politely letting an old man ramble. Perhaps I am still reeling from a series of numbing defeats at Tack, I said. He waved my comments away, and I noticed he wore no rings of any sort on his fingers. You took to it quickly, like a baron at a brothel, as they say. I expect you'll prove a decent challenge after a month or so. Wait and see, I said. I'll beat you the next time we play. Braden chuckled. I like to hear that. He reached into his pocket and pulled out a small velvet bag. I have also brought you a small gift. I couldn't possibly, I said reflexively. You've already provided me with an afternoon's entertainment. Please, he said, pushing the bag across the table. I must insist. These are yours without obligation. Let or Lynn. A freely given gift. I appended the bag and three rings chimed into my palm. Gold, silver, and iron. Each of them had my name etched into the metal. Both. I heard a rumor your luggage was lost, Braden said, and thought these might prove useful. He smiled, especially if you desire another game of tack. I rolled the rings around in my hand, idly wondering if the gold ring was solid or simply plated, and what ring would I send my new acquaintance if I desired his company? Well, Braden said slowly, this is complicated. By my rash and unseemly bearing into your rooms, I have neglected a proper introduction and failed to inform you as to my title and rank. His brown eyes looked into mine seriously. And it would be terribly rude of me to inquire about such things. I said slowly, not quite sure what he was playing at. He nodded. So for now, you must assume I am without either title or rank. That puts us on a curious footing. You unannounced to the court, and myself unannounced to you. As such, it would be fitting for you to send me a silver ring, if, in the future, you would like to share a lunch or graciously lose another game of tack. I rolled the silver ring around in my fingers. If I sent it to him, rumor would get around that I was claiming a rank roughly equal to his, and I had no idea what rank that was. What will people say? His eyes danced a bit. What indeed? So the days continued to pass. The mayor summoned me for urban chatter. Magpie nobles sent their cards and rings and were met with polite conversational rebuffment. And that's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. And I have questions. What is a lin? Lien is like an obligation uh, or a, like a, a debt. I guess that makes sense in context. I just don't like it because I don't recognize well, it. Well, this is a this is a curious turn of phrase, and as someone pointed out in the chat the other day, this turn of phrase is associated with the fae. I do believe Bass says this phrase when giving a gift, uh, or possibly Felurian says this phrase when giving a gift. And this person in the chat was quite convinced that our friend Brayden was a fae creature. I'm not so sure, but if he was perhaps a member of an organization that was descended from the fae. And this saying was sort of passed down among that community. Now that I would agree with. Or perhaps he has had dealings with the Fae? Like perhaps indeed. From the fae, maybe. 
Yes. Curious. Maybe Quoth picked it up from him. Maybe he's Bass' father. Oh, weird. I don't like that. It's possible, <laughs> but I don't like it. We've definitely. What I was that thinking is maybe before. he he. Okay, what if Brayden at some point had had dealings with someone from the Fae, and then he sees Quoth's Fae-ness somehow, and uses that phrase to try and like weasel out whether or not Quoth is in fact Fae-y. Yeah, maybe. Did that make sense? Yeah, totally. That he's like using it as like a, a shibboleth, a word that we love on this podcast, mm. to try and suss out if Quoth is Fae or not. That's possible. I think that in addition to giving him a very valuable gift, this gift of this rings, and further bringing himself into Quoth's confidence, Brayden is also doing something here by setting up the the silver ring, the idea that they are they are to be exchanging silver rings. And on the next page, we will see that Brayden, in fact, fires the first salvo and sends a silver ring for Quoth to keep and display. So I think that this is a move in Brayden's attack game of which Quoth is a piece, making sure that Quoth gets rings and setting up a situation whereby Quoth can display that he is of the same rank of as Brayden. And this leads us to another conversation that we'll probably have more of tomorrow. But uh, yeah, you know what? Let's save it for tomorrow. Let's just note for now that Brayden has introduced himself as Brayden, but has withheld his rank and titles. And I think based on how we end up tomorrow with Quoth getting a ring from Brayden, that Brayden is the name on the ring. If it was a different name, we'd probably see it. So I don't think that Brayden is a pseudonym. Brayden is probably a a family name. I mean, could he not could he not just have rings made with a pseudonym? He could, but Quoth displaying it would be meaningless. And the impression I get when Quoth displays it is that other people recognize it. And in fact, a bit later another person refers to Brayden by the name of Brayden. Okay. So I think it's likely that Brayden, the, the name Brayden is not a pseudonym and is his actual name. Toby, can you not scratch while I'm talking? Can you wait till I'm finished talking? Thank you. I think it's possible that the name Brayden is not a pseudonym, that it's his actual name, but it's his rank and titles that are important. And perhaps, you know, if... Like, nobody calls Alvaron by his first name except for Stapes, right? Uh, so maybe it's the equivalent of if Alvaron sent a name with his first name on it, everyone would know it, but nobody would dare to call him by it. Yeah, maybe. What I find kind and of Stapes ring says Stapes on it also. So maybe it is family name or given name or something like that. What I find interesting about this uh, and what is potentially dangerous for Quoth here is that Brayden gives Quoth a silver ring, which implies to everybody who's playing this game that Brayden and Quoth are the same rank. But Quoth has no idea what social rank Brayden is. And other people assuming that Quoth and Brayden are of the same social rank because of this could get Quoth into serious trouble. Right? Quoth is at a disadvantage here because he does not have enough information about this guy to know if it's a good idea or not to be letting people assume that they're the same social rank. But at a certain point, he can't control it because Brayden ends up sending him a ring. Yeah, but he doesn't have to display the ring. Mm, I see. As we eventually learn, there's more to it than that. Like, Stapes gives him the ring that signals 
immense debt. You know, Stape gives him the ring that says, I am nothing next to you, right? So like the rings don't necessarily directly mean that, but you're right that it's dangerous for Quoth to display it. And maybe this is a test. Maybe Brayden maneuvers him into a position where he gives him the ring and wants to see what he does with it. Uh, and Quoth, I mean, maybe he's just trying to get a measure of Quoth and he gambles that Quoth is the type of person who would display it sight unseen. We just don't have enough information. And I don't care to speculate wildly. That's not something I do. I'm very oh, conservative. Oh, no, never. You would never do such a thing. Yeah. Never no. has, never will. It's awfully nice of Brayden to give Quoth the means to play this very important social game. And to have, like, it hasn't been that long to have had these, you know, these rings cast and forged. Unless, of course, he keeps a bunch of blank ones lying around that he can give to people as gifts. Or unless he knew that this guy was coming. Yeah, and that his name was Quoth. Yeah. How did he know that Quoth's luggage was lost? Was that something he was sharing with the other the other nobles? That He mentioned it to the mayor. The only thing we know for sure is that he mentioned it to the mayor. That is an excellent point. That's the only time he's brought it up. Yes. So did the mayor tell Brayden? Or did Brayden know about the shipwreck some other way? Yeah, does Brayden have spies? And also, why isn't Quoth suspicious of this? Why Quoth is a bit starstruck, I think. Quoth's head is in another place. This is pretty good misdirection. Pretty good, uh, you know, I think a player of tack might put obvious pressure in one location and make their actual move elsewhere away from the pressure. And remember, we, we had some questions, or I did, about who did the arrangements for Thrape. Remember, we had some questions about the letter, the correspondence, and ultimately the shipping of Quoth. So I wonder if the contact that Thrape has with the mayor is perhaps through Brayden or Brayden's agents. Because we don't know how powerful Brayden is, right? Maybe Brayden is only, you know, one rung down from the mayor. Maybe Brayden is the one who stands to inherit if the mayor kicks it. Hmm. You know, so it is very dangerous of Quoth to get involved with this guy so deeply without knowing much about him, but he's made himself irresistible. He's made himself very friendly. He's given him gifts that are going to be very useful to him. He's given him good information, although not like great information. I would say that Brayden walks away from this scene with way more information about Quoth than Quoth has about Brayden. Yeah. But, but Nick, when has Quoth ever walked into a situation that he thought he was prepared for and thought he had the upper hand in? only to later learn that, in fact, he was not aware of everything that was going on around him, and, in fact, that caused him problems. That's never happened that to him. That has never happened, happened. Jeremy. That has never happened. No, that has never happened. All right, here we go. This uh, this letter is entitled 363 to 365. Well, actually, and it's from Taylor. Taylor writes, I feel like I've been cheating on you, listening ahead with Nick Padel. And I'm so excited for our future together, even though I've been so unfaithful. The pinch-faced man from the bridge, who is likely the oddly new deckhand, how does he transfer to the next ship? Quoth says Den pays for the trip to Tarbine, where he can easily find passage on another boat for the easterly trek portion. Mr. P-Face could still be an agent of Ambrose, Ham, Lauren, Puppet, Amir, or Chandrian, but he'd need to arrange another following deck swab job or be a passenger on the next leg, which you think Quoth would mention. I, I lean into this being a red herring, but we don't have enough information. Truthfully, signed Taylor. 
Are we sure that it's the second leg of the journey that the shipwreck occurs on? I always was under the impression that this was the boat that sank. But as you say, we don't have enough information. Yes, perhaps we did not read that passage closely enough. Because I too thought that it was the same boat that sank, but maybe not. I guess there's also a lot of failure points, right? We know that Quoth has to transfer in the plan. Uh, we know that he ends up taking an even more circuitous route. So there's lots of, of opportunities for any of these things to have happened in. And frankly, it's better not being fleshed out. I'm not bothered by this discrepancy, detail, whatever. If anything, this makes it more real. Uh, you know, we don't need to fill every single crevice with content. I'm totally fine with my imagination filling this in. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he ever specifies exactly at what point in the journey he is wrecked. So that, uh, you know, that can't prove anything one way or the other. Very well. I do think the pinch face man is involved. Otherwise, why mention him? Because he never shows up again. Well, red herring is a is a good option. No? Yeah, red herring, by definition, has no actual significance. And I think that the pinch face man is sort of tying in the idea that there was sabotage involved. Although the details... Are not important. I mean, what you just described is making him a perfect red herring because he appears to the kind of madman who looks for clues and everything to be a clue, but he is in fact just a piece of superfluous detail designed to throw people who are looking for clues off. I mean, I think he's foreshadowing that Quoth's journey has agents aboard who are scuttling it. I think that's the significance of the pinched face man. I don't think that that's a red herring. I think that's an indication that this wasn't random. But what if it was random? I mean, it could have been, but I don't think it was. I think it's most likely, like, I think, like, as much as I love to account for the meddling of the Chandrian and the Emir, I think the Chandrian and or the Emir want Quoth to succeed. I think the only person who's trying to kill Quoth is Ambrose. And I think that this is Ambrose escalating yet again from a safe distance. Ambrose is trying his level best to get Quoth killed and he no longer cares about the collateral damage. Big if true. I submit to you that what if Quoth was just unlucky in his choice of ships? <laughs> Could be. Could be. I submit to you, what if you were unlucky in your choice of snacks? Yes, listeners, you can listen to Jeremy snack on tomorrow's page. Um, the wind. wind. I'm so hungry, guys. It's late. It's okay, it made for good comedy. <laughs>